So you're thinking about starting a private practice, but the idea seems totally and completely overwhelming. Don't worry, we can help. Hear from private practice owner Courtney Lee as she tells the story of how she took the plunge, what tool she uses, and how to get started. These next 45 minutes may be the push you need to start down your dream path. You're listening to Dietitians Only, a podcast from Dietitians On Demand, created by dietitians for dietitians. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Dietitians Only. This is Sarah Glantz with Dietitians On Demand, and we have a special guest speaker today, Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee is one of our subject matter experts, so you've probably heard her voice on some (laughs) webinars that she's done or seen her name on blogs that she's written. And today she's going to be talking about her experience with starting her own private practice. Uh, So Courtney, I want to welcome you. And do you want to just start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you. I'm excited to be here um, and just talk about my experience with this, which is just one person's experience. But um, I love to share um, when I can, because so many people helped me along the way and shared their experiences with me. So um, thank you for having me. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, and um, I've been in private practice now for six years. So not tons and tons of years, but enough to have learned a lot in a short period of time. And I have um, three kiddos, and I um, am a subject matter expert. I do a lot of different kind of consulting things in addition to my private practice, which is virtual and um, focuses primarily on gut health. But I do a lot of different types of nutrition interventions for people. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. Well, um, so what drew you to private practice or feeling like you wanted to start a private practice in the first place? So for me, it was really a family life change decision. Um, I My daughter was born. And I wanted some flexibility with my career um, to be able to be home more and say no, say yes to things. And I had always kind of wanted to do it uh, as a dietetic intern and as a student, just because it sounded wonderful. But I never thought that like, oh, you have to work first. Oh, you have to be you have to have 20 years of experience before you can go into private practice and have actually something valuable to offer people. And so I had, you know, pushed those things aside. But then when my daughter was born, um, I just really wanted some flexibility in my life. And that really pushed me to go ahead and, and bite the bullet and do it. You know, I had a lot of encouragement, uh, you know, a big cheerleader in my husband, he was like, just do it. You've been talking about it forever. Just do it. I think maybe he was tired of hearing me talk about it, but (laughs) either way, he encouraged (laughs) me to just do it. Yeah. So that's what kind of made me pull the trigger as a side hustle. It was not a, you know, I didn't quit my job and go into private practice. You know, it was a side hustle um, for years um, as I started. Okay. Awesome. So um, just for, so everyone kind of has a frame of reference. Do you do virtual only? Is it in-person only or is it a mix of the two? Mm -hmm. Great question. I do virtual only. And again, I've always done it that way. And for me, it was my primary goal was 
family flexibility. So I needed to be working from home. That was my, you know, what can I do working from home? So I started virtual before COVID, before it was cool, you know, um, <laughs> before everyone was doing it. Um, that That's what I needed. And it's been so interesting how that has changed over the, the last six years, but I don't do any in person and I never have. Okay, gotcha. And I think that's sort of how things are moving now. There are definitely dietitians yes. who have an office or whatever, you know, and they see patients in person. But a lot of times I do think people are looking to work from home and they're looking for a virtual option. So I think you're going to have a lot of good perspective, you know, and advice to give on that front too. Great. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, where should somebody start if they're like, I want to have a private practice, but I don't know where to start. What would you say? I would say kind of step one is like excitement. You know, I spent a lot of time downplaying my ideas and downplaying my um, desire to do private practice. Again, just really feeling like um, I don't have anything to offer unless I've become an, like, you know, 20 years of experience in this field, you know, that was just kind of the view. And I think that that is the historic view of private practice dietitians. And when I was in training, like when I was an intern and in school, that was kind of the mentality that was presented to me. And so what I would have to say to somebody who wants to start a private practice is if that's something you want to do, like be excited about it and don't let anything like that bring your excitement level down. Um, because it is a challenging process. There are a lot of hoops to go through. There are, there's going to be, you know, ups and downs. But if you are just kind of have that passion and excitement about what you're doing or the potential of what you can be doing, that will really fuel you to go, you know, forward. And I, I mentioned my husband, but part of that for me was having somebody who believed in me, having a cheerleader who was like, nope, just do it, just do it, just do it. And so, you know, I would say find a cheerleader for you in this in this area of your life. And maybe that's another RD friend who's also interested in doing um, private practice. You know, maybe that's somebody in your family or, you know, there, there's lots and lots of business coaches out there. So there's many ways to find someone who will be in your corner, um, but you're going to need it. So get somebody, <laughs> get, pick your person who's going to be in your corner. So. That's good advice. And I, I think the same could be said for any, any dietitian who has big dreams yes. and who wants to go out and conquer the world. Yes. It's so much easier when you have a Robin to your Batman. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I would say what's unique about private practice is you're alone. Like you don't, you're not, you don't have a coworker. Um, you know, you're not going to, form these organic friendships or relationships that, you know, from going into work and stuff like that, you don't have a boss. And so it, the value is extremely important to just have somebody that you're sharing about your business with your triumphs, your failures, and who's going to be for you and for your business because you're, you know, it's a process. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, what are some of the questions that people who are starting out in private practice frequently have? 
Like, what are the some of the things that you kind of need to get lined up before you can actually open your doors? Yes. So what I uh, recommend to people is, you know, what I think was most helpful for me was thinking through some questions instead of coming to it with all my answers. You know, a lot of times when um, you think you're going to go out on this venture, you need to know everything before you get started. But really, when you get started, it's an exploratory process. You know, we're going to experiment with some things. You've kind of got to find your way. And so looking at some questions to answer and approaching it from that perspective instead of saying, I have all the answers is going to help you be more successful. But the first question you need to ask yourself and kind of work through is what do you actually want to do? You know, (laughs) do you want to have a specialty? Do you want to have a particular niche market? Is there a specific population you're looking to help? Is there a specific problem you're looking to solve? Is there a gap, you know, in the care in your area that you've noticed in your current job and you're like, I could go into private practice and fill that gap? What are you trying to do? You know, and that's kind of a key question, um, you know, nutritionally, what are you trying to do? And then does that require anything? Like, do you need some certifications? Do you need some additional training? Do you need to read up? You know? What what is it that you want to do? And I think um, today I get calls from people. Are, do you specialize in do you specialize in eating disorders? Do you specialize in PCOS? Do you specialize in reproductive nutrition? And I'm like, you know, I don't specialize in any of those things. I work with people who have these things and i am successfully helped people with these medical conditions, you know, with their nutrition, but I don't, I don't specialize. So I also just am trying to say, don't feel like you have to pick one thing, but even if it's a small group of things, nobody can do everything well, but you also don't have to pigeonhole yourself into, I am a, this specialist, I am a PCOS specialist or something like that. So Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that can be, that's true for any dietitian, whether you're working in private practice or even a healthcare setting, nobody knows everything about everything. So nope. (laughs) just figure out what you're passionate about and what the need is out there. And I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, what else, what else are dietitians really, you know, need to start thinking about when starting a private practice? Yeah. A question, I mean, I kind of alluded to it, but is there a need that you see that you could potentially meet? So, you know, you may really want to work with eating disorder, the eating disorder population, um, and that's what you want to do, but you see a need in your community or in your healthcare system for, you know, somebody to help people with gestational diabetes, or you just see this gap, nutrition care gap, you know. Sometimes if you can identify a need in your area, that is a very quick way to build a business, get referrals, build some key relationships. Do you know anyone? Like, do you know an OBGYN who's trying to find nutrition care for her gestational diabetes patients, but she can't? What, you know, what do you have available to work with you? And so even if meeting a need is not your deepest passion and desire, it can be an excellent starting point for building a business. And 
it can bridge. You, you'll be amazed at how much, how many nutrition issues are connected. Like eat, I'm going to eating disorders just because there's so few dietitians who feel comfortable working in eating disorders, but maybe you start working in some medical condition like PCOS or gestational diabetes. Anything can kind of like lead down to an eating disorder. You know, people all across all walks of life have eating disorders. So you just never know how meeting a need and trying to find those key relationships to get some referrals could eventually build up to a specialty that you would really, you know, like to have. Does that make sense? I'm kind of, yeah, that okay. makes, yes, absolutely. Okay. It does. And I think that's a good, um, that's a good point that you make that even if not to say that you shouldn't find, you know, follow your passion and what you're really interested in, but also you are running a business. And so I think that's a component too, is you have to think about what, what is the need out there? If the, you know, dietitian market is already saturated with diabetes experts, do you really want to throw your hat in the right. ring as like the 15th diabetes expert in your area? Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and I think another thing, you know, dietitians have to think about is like we talked about in the beginning, are you going to do virtual only? Are you going to do have some sort of office front? So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. Yes. Well, you need to just decide how you want to conduct your private practice and, but you need to know what you want to do before you decide how you can do it. Because if you really if you really want to do something like eating disorders, you know, there's a limit to what you can do virtually with eating disorders. A virtual dietitian cannot do the whole spectrum of eating disorder care. There comes at a point in time that you have to see someone physically do that, you know, nutrition focused physical exam, you know, so knowing what you want to do should really help you guide, guide yourself into how you do it. If you're working, um, and some places really want a, a brick and mortar. Some physicians do not want to send referrals to virtual, you know. So identifying what you're doing and who you're working with can really help move you towards what is the best thing for me. Now, it's expensive to have an office front and it is cheap to work from home. <laughs> so if you're looking at, you know, overhead, starting a business, I mean, if you can work from home, that is by far the lowest overhead, you know, to you, um, to your bottom line. Um, it would be, you know, and you could always build up to having a practice, you could, uh, a, a brick and mortar practice, you could build up to coming into somebody's office one day a week and seeing there, there's some hybrid options. If somebody who's sending you a ton of referrals wants you to be on, you know, in their office one day a week, maybe that's a good move for you, but you don't necessarily have your own office space, or you may just say, you know, I know this is what I want to do. If you are working exclusively with insurance patients, you probably have to have your own brick and mortar because they, they typically prefer you to have a business address. And so Looking, you know, and that's another question you have to answer is, am I going to do insurance or private pay or a combination of both? You have to know what you're doing and who you're serving before you can answer that question as well. So all of these are really connected, but 
that's a that's like the hot topic question right now is are we doing insurance or private pay or a combination and why but you've got to know what you're doing kind of before you can move on with answering that question yeah yeah and i know that um payment can be such a um bear <laughs> to try to figure oh, out terrible it's terrible sarah <laughs> It's terrible. So, I mean, do you have any tips or would you feel comfortable? I don't want to put you on the spot, but would you yeah. feel comfortable sharing like what you do? You don't have to share your pay rates, but if you want to share like, yeah. it, is it private pay only? Do you accept any insurance? Yeah. And maybe what the process of trying to get in network with an insurance company looks like? Yes. Yes. So I do a combination and I that works great for me. That works great for me. <laughs> I do all my own stuff. I do all my own billing and everything. Like I'm, I'm a one-stop shop. So I don't like, I don't hire that out. Those, these are all services that can be contracted out, hired out. I just prefer to do it because I'm thinking about my bottom line. And if I, if I can do it, I don't want to pay someone else to do it. Sure. Yeah. The, what's great about taking insurance is that you automatically have tons of free referrals because if you're a provider and then somebody wants a customer of that insurance company wants some nutrition help, you pop up, you know, when they're searching or if they call their insurance company and they say, who's in network with me, they're passing on your phone number or your email all the time. So taking insurance is an excellent way to start a private practice. Now, when you take insurance, you have to be available, like they have some parameters on availability and they expect you to take everyone that they send. So if they send somebody with diabetes, you do got to do that. If they send somebody with cardiovascular disease, you've got to do that. So it's a, it's a more of a generalist practice, but that can be fun. I mean, I, I like that. That keeps me sharp. That keeps me, <laughs> that maintains my skills. I think after coming from a clinical setting where I saw a variety of medical conditions, um, I see that as a real positive where some people might see that as a real negative. With insurance, though, you agree, like Courtney Lee, registered dietitian, you know, I agree to their rate for their services. So regardless of what I feel is the value or regardless of my private pay, cost, my private pay fee or my packaging that I do for, you know, private pay, doing them in packages. I can't hold an insurance client to commit to buying a package or that rate. You know, I agree by contract to their fee and you can't charge more. It's not like if I charge $200 an hour for private and I can only charge $120 an hour per insurance and then I can bill them 80. That is against your contract. That is illegal. Like you got to, you take, you hit, take the loss. And so you got to, you got to be careful and you've got to know what you're doing, but it is a great way. Not, not everybody is going to do private pay. So again, thinking about what you were doing and who you were serving. It may be something you're doing or one of the things you're doing is not even covered by insurance anyway. Or maybe in your area, like I'm living in a state right now that the insur insurances across the state don't cover nutrition counseling. They just don't cover it. So I 
have to do private pay and I have to do it at a rate in a way that people who are like, well, I already pay $400 a month for health insurance. Why would I pay privately to you? So where you are, what's going on in your state, what insurance will pay, what services you're providing, who you're serving, all of that comes together to make the best decision for you and your business. But I like having a combination because I feel like a a huge part of why I'm in private practice is because it feels like I can really help people here. And I wasn't always feeling that in my clinical job. Not like many, there's so many amazing clinical dietitians and they are helping people every day, like life-changing help. I was in a situation where I was not, not getting to do that in my job and getting to be in private practice. I get, get to feel like I really help people in the way that they want to be helped. And so, but a personal goal of mine would be people that access me. So I don't want to when I take insurance, I'm accessible to people who need to use their insurance. And then if I do private pay, I can be accessible to people who either can't use their insurance or don't have insurance or don't want to use their insurance. And so I like that combination because I'm accessible to anybody who wants to use me, use the services. And I think that's great advice. And I really liked how you said that you kind of have to know your market and what your clientele can realistically afford. And maybe there is um, an insurance provider that is more common in your area and you may be wanting to go after that specific one, yes. you know, as opposed to trying to get a network with 10 providers, you maybe just focus on one or two. Yes. Yes. Now, if you decide you want to do insurance, that's a whole other process. And and I love talking about it because it's it's a great way to get your business running and to get, you know, your services out there. But first you need to you you need to kind of learn the rules in your state. Like for example, can you work from home and take insurance or do you have to be in an office in like a business office? So that is a big determinant as to where your practice is and you know what you can actually do. But once you kind of learn the rules, you can apply to there's this like Think about like when we were dietetic interns and did we, we did our one universal application that we could send to multiple places. It's the same kind of thing. It's called CAQH. You apply there. It's like a standardized application to all these insurance companies. And once they have all your stuff, which that can take months for them to kind of green light you there, then you can send that little standardized application on to different insurance companies that you might want to apply to and they may have some additional things that they want but can send that to the big players in your area or maybe just the one you know big player in your area but that process can take three to six months to hear back they're just not it's just not fast and so that's that's another reason to do insurance and private pay because you could immediately start with private pay while you're waiting to get the insurance thing settled out And then once you get green lighted by the insurance and you're a provider with them, you have to figure out how am I going to file claims? (laughs) Because it doesn't just magically happen. So no, no. So there's all different kinds of things, you know, does, how does your insurance, that insurance company want you to do it? 
can you do it directly or can you use like a clearinghouse, like a third party, again, like a standardized third party group to, you know, send it on. And these are, these are all services. Like if I'm sounding overwhelming to you, just know that everything can be outsourced, all of it. I wouldn't let, like, if you're business savvy, you can do all this by yourself. But if you're not business savvy, you could pay someone to do the business of this for you. And you just do the nutrition part and somebody else manage your business. So, mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, is there any, are there any other questions that, you know, you sort of focused in on or, you know, what's the next step after you've thought through, okay, I know I'm going to do maybe virtual. I've got my insurance paperwork filed. I've set my pay rate. So now what? <laughs> yeah. Now what? Well, who who are you competing against? And that's just been, I mean, even just last week, I was at an event for my kid's school and there was a nutritionist there offering nutrition coaching for $150 more than what I charge and not not a registered dietitian. Oh, no. <laughs> and like selling selling stuff and just it was like Okay. And I just had to kind of be like, you know what? That's not my competition. Like that's, she's not my competition. Like that's not really the market I'm in. I'm doing this with gut health. She's doing that with, you know, something else. And, (laughs) you know, because my like knee jerk reaction is to be like, I need to jerk up my prices and I need to report her to the board. And And like, I need to, who is this person? But once you kind of once you ha- kind of have what you're doing and how you're doing it um think about who who is your competition because the world of nutrition is just like vast right now and that's a whole other topic for another day but if you've got who your market is and you're do- providing MNT that's just a different competition than all of the people who claim to be nutrition experts and are not but there is this, you know, merging of what you, how valuable you feel you are and what CD, like what Medicare Medicaid says is your actual reimbursement rate, like the monetary value they assign to it. And then what people will actually pay for the services. So we got to merge these values to come up with a number to charge for people. And I have like refined mine over and over and over again, you know, start with one number, tweak it, tweak it, tweak it. So it's a kind of a constant thing. But I would always say keeping your personal goals in mind is just so key. I go back to why I started my business. I was looking for flexibility, you know, and I wanted to work from home and I wanted to help people. These were the things like I wanted to help people in the way they wanted to be helped. and so. Those things take time and those things have really kind of kept my business on track to accomplish those goals. It can kind of redirect to those goals. So maybe your goal is a six-figure salary and maybe it's like, maybe it's not. I think a lot of people try to make that their goal, but maybe you have a different goal and that doesn't mean your goal is less like important or valuable. But maybe you do have a six-figure salary goal and like, do it. That's awesome. (laughs) But just what are you trying to accomplish and keeping those goals in mind, defining your own success? Like success for me in my first year looked like breaking even, being home more, 
helping people getting all my legal stuff set up, which we can jump into that next. But keeping your goals in mind is key. Yeah. Okay. So what about legal stuff? I mean, should we, should people start an LLC? Should, what about insurance and not like billing insurance, but you know, insurance to protect yourself and stuff like that. Yeah. So once you kind of know what you're doing and how you're going to do it, you absolutely need to start, like get your business legally established and legally would be based on your city, state and city and state and federally. So some of those each each area has their own laws like you may have to file with the county and then you also file with the state or maybe you just file with the state you have to look at your area but you can do a sole proprietorship which is like just you there's all different kinds of different businesses but even if it's just you and you, it's only you and you're not hiring anybody else like you need to establish a sole proprietorship LLC like an actual business and once you start with one looking up your city or your state or your county, they'll be like, and then you have to apply here and you have to apply here and you have to apply here. That process doesn't really take too long, but you just have to do it. It is important also to just go ahead and apply for an NPI number. Even if you're not going to be taking insurance or you don't think you're going to take insurance now, it's just so nice to tie that NPI number with your legal business. So you can just streams like streamlines it for a healthcare provider. And then, of course, like looking at your state's licensing requirements, I'm sure you already meet them, but make sure that you are, especially if you're going to be doing virtual. It can vary state by state, but the the general rule of thumb is the place of business is where the client is. So I have to follow the rules of where the person I'm serving is. And so... If you want to keep it easy, keep it to your state. If you want to grow or if you have some neighboring states or whatever, if you've moved around a lot, you know, you just have to maintain the rules. Mm -hmm. The place of business is not where you are. It's where they are. And so that's just an easy rule to kind of keep in mind. Okay. What about as far as, um, you know, HIPAA rules and regulations, charting, even communication, like if you want to send appointment reminders or yeah things like that. So can you tell us a little bit about what some of that stuff looks like? Yes. Yeah, so everything needs to be HIPAA compliant and it's required if you're taking insurances, but it is like definitely best practice. And this is where having a insurance policy on yourself, like a professional liability insurance, like you would want to have that on yourself and your business. But something like that would cover if you, you know, mess up with HIPAA. Um, So you've got to, you've got to have that insurance policy for yourself. But the easiest way to be HIPAA compliant is to use um, an electronic medical record that's already HIPAA compliant and does all of this stuff for you. Like sends encrypted emails or text messages is secure for design for healthcare information and it is secure. And so you subscribe to that service. And so you're not on your own, just trying to be HIPAA compliant all the time, although you have to as well. So. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I think it is just instead of trying to reinvent the wheel or trying to piece together, like, well, I could do this and then I could use this program and I can use this other thing. 
sometimes it's easier to like, let me just buy this package yeah. and it has everything that I would need to run my business. Yes. And maybe it is a little bit more expensive, but when you think about the risks of yes, breaking the rules, <laughs> to put it simply, you know, it's probably not worth trying to piece it together on your own. No, not at all. I mean, I feel like I'm buying peace of mind with my professional liability insurance and by using a HIPAA compliant electronic medical record. It just, and it presents very officially to the client like they're expecting a high level and a high quality especially as virtual healthcare has become more prevalent today you know they most people have used a portal for their to get their lab work or to send their doctor a message or some you know many of us have used a virtual app to do a teleconference with our doctor you know during some of the higher um illness uh, covid years and so they're expecting so if you just show up wanting to FaceTime and sending a Word document through an email, I mean, it's just it's not going to look very good. Yeah, I think professional, you know, make sure you are running a business at the end of the day. You're not. Yes. You know, dietitian Sarah and Courtney operating out of Courtney's basement. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, OK, so what about tips? Like, do you have any. um like secret tips or anything to help people. <laughs> I, do. I do. And this is all again, like so many people help me along the way. And I just feel like there's room for all of us. Like I'll share everything that's been helpful to me. I don't feel, I feel like there's room for more and more t- dietitians to be in private practice. The market is not saturated with, I mean, there can be saturated sometimes, but there's like, there's room for you if you want to be in private practice. But I, didn't know about this until you can always get just what's called a registered agent and some states require it. And it is a, it's a legal business representative for the state and they will help you with all the legal stuff and all of this stuff about starting your business, paying your business taxes. That is just great. I love to pay my a hundred dollars a year for them to tell me everything that I need to do. Um, so <laughs> that, is great. that does seem like a very small fee, honestly. <laughs> yes. Yes. To keep me in line with the government. Yes. Again, like if you're doing insurance, apply like as soon as possible. I love using health profs, healthprofs.com. Health, it's short for healthprofessionals.com. It is basically like yellow pages for health practitioners. So people like dietitians, people like nurse practitioners, um, psych counseling, chiropractors, a lot of practitioners who kind of are standalone can use this as like a listing and it's by zip code. So when somebody is in a zip code and they want to do registered diet, if they Google registered dietitian near me and I'm there, my healthprofs.com listing will come to the top of the page. So I'm not working really hard to get to do all the right things that Google will pick my personal website and bring it to the top. I just have a listing and healthprofs is making me pop up. So I love that. And that I get, that seems so easy. I mean, that seems like if you could do one thing, just do that. (laughs) 
And then the best, there's so many business coaches out there. Um, the best resources that I have found and that just kind of like aligned with me is Dietitian HQ by Heather Neal. She's a registered dietitian. She has a private practice and she's now, I don't even know, she, I think she's still doing private practice, but she is like an awesome business coach. She has great resources and I have used her multiple times in the past. And I just, um, I can't recommend her stuff enough to anybody who is thinking about starting a business. And then just the other things that I use are like my EMR. I use practice better. I love it. There's all kinds out there. Most of them will let you do a free trial, but I've shopped around and changed course and I've landed on practice better and I really like it. And then I use office ally as my clearing house for submitting all of my insurance claims. And so if I can figure it out, you can too. (laughs) (laughs) But I picked this up on one of these like nutrition entrepreneurs talks, and I really can't remember who said it, but it resonated with me so much. If you're not making money, it's not a business, it's a hobby. And I was just like, Ooh, ouch. Like, (laughs) don't forget that this is a business. We got a bottom, you've got a bottom line, you've got to turn a profit. And if you are losing the, I just want to help people side of you could potentially lose sight of the, no, this is a business and we've got to make money side. So if you're not making money, you're not running a business. Don't forget that. That's a good tip. And it is tough to hear. (laughs) It is tough to hear. And it's hard to get going. I'm sure in the beginning, I don't have a private practice, but I can just imagine listening to all these things that you have to do just to kind of get up and running. But I want to just say, be kind to yourself. I mean, don't beat yourself up like, oh, I didn't turn a profit the first six months. You know, I think it all goes back to what your goals are. And if you're you know, maybe you've recently won the lottery and you're like, I don't care about making money. But for most of us, that's not going to be our situation. So. No, you're exactly right. No, I'll just share. I don't mind to share our, uh, my goal was to break even. I think I said that, but invested a thousand dollars. I was like, I'm willing to lose a thousand dollars. So I like made a, made a business account, moved a thousand dollars into it. It's like, this is it. And I've got to make this work for all the, all the business licenses I've got to pay for all the stuff that I need to do, all the applications. And the first year I was earned, I just earned my thousand dollars back from all my expenses to, to all the earnings. It just kind of, I got that net a thousand. And to me, that was just the biggest victory that I didn't have to pour any more money than my initial investment in. And that, that was a year. So it was not glamorous. And like I said, that was a, it was a side hustle. So I still had my job, but that was the great foundation for future of being able to scale back on the other things. So I just echo what you're saying. Do not beat yourself up at all, especially as you're getting started. It is not, it was not instantaneous for me, but that does not mean you're not going to have a successful business. I think that's good advice. And that's, I mean, gosh, I feel like what more is there to say that, you know, just because it's a rocky start or you, it maybe doesn't go the way you plan, don't give up on it. But yeah, there has to be some balance of 
realizing that you want to make money, but you also want to help people. And so that takes different shapes and different forms for everyone. So just give it a whirl. What the heck? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Give it a shot. Stick to your goals. You know, you get to define what the success looks like and you get to change your mind. You know, that first year of success was breaking even. Then I set different goals for the future years, you know, but if you're, if you've got your goals in mind and you're meeting them, then you have a successful business. So, but I hope this makes people feel like they can do it and not overwhelmed because it is a lot. And we've like, but I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed. Like I just, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is a summary. And, but you can do this. You can do this. And we've got like, there's more, there's a lot more resources out there to, to help you than just this one conversation we're having. Yeah, absolutely. And um, some of those resources um, we're going to put in the show notes for you. So if you want to, after you finish listening, check out the episode summary and you're going to see some resources there. Uh, but I think we'll wrap it up for today. And I want to thank Courtney for sharing her honest story, because sometimes I do think we just hear the, you know, raucous success stories, but you feel like, well, gosh, I'm not making half a million dollars on my private practice. So (laughs) no, but thank you for coming on and, and, you know, kind of telling the real, not that the other stories aren't real, but, you know, telling your experience and hopefully giving everyone a little encouragement to just start. If you're thinking about starting a private practice, just go for it. Yes. Why not? Yes. Why not? Why not? You do have something to offer. Like you do whatever you've got, however long you've been working, like you have something to offer. So if you want to do it, do it. But thank you for having me. I I appreciate the invitation. So, oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, Well, thanks everybody for listening and we hope you have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to Dietitians Only, a podcast produced by Dietitians On Demand. If you need a break today, scroll over to the review section of the podcast and leave us one. Your feedback is the best way to help the podcast grow. Dietitians On Demand employs hundreds of dietitians nationwide and elevates the profession with simple yet effective practice resources like this podcast. Don't forget to stay connected with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram.